Hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris Taylor, and I'm glad you're listening in today. If this is your first time listening, I'd love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Last week, we heard from a special guest speaker, Randy Kirk, who spoke about contentment. He said contentment is the number one secret to managing your money well. One of the reasons that learning how to manage money well is so important is because we're so deep in debt. Decisions that we've made in the past limit our options in the present, and too often our choices have led us to the prison of debt. What can we do to start digging our way out? Here's our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Patterson. When a medical emergency strikes, 43 million Americans are left with a different kind of trauma, crushing financial debt. For three decades, Craig Antico was the voice on the end of the line. You're the guy that had to call up and say, pay up. In a nutshell, what was your message? Message was, you owe this bill and we need to have payment. But now, Antico is using the same expertise that allowed him to collect debt to abolish it instead. What made you want to make a difference and, and help people? Well. I'll tell you, when you go to work and you're having to make 200 calls a day to people that can't afford to pay, it just wears on you. At 5 o'clock, you just want to go home. Now, I can't wait to get up. Antico and a fellow collector started RIP Medical Debt, a nonprofit that uses donations to buy up batches of overdue medical bills from hospitals and doctors for just pennies on the dollar. So a $100 donation allows the group to wipe out $10,000 in medical bills. They can't respond to individual pleas. They use a formula to find and forgive the neediest. Reagan Adair couldn't keep up payments for migraine treatments. It is aggravating to go out there and see that the bills are in the mailbox. But one day, a surprise, a yellow envelope with good news. Nearly $3,200 of her debt was forgiven. Nobody does good things when, you know, when no one's looking. And he's doing that. He's helping so many people. RIP says they have forgiven more than $120 million in medical debt for more than 60,000 patients. Their ultimate goal, a billion dollars. You may get this letter out of the blue that says your debt is gone. That's exactly right. It's a random act of kindness that you can get this letter or a call from RIP Medical Debt saying your debt is no longer due. NBC-owned TV stations have donated $150,000 to the effort, and their viewers have donated as well, all in all erasing $40 million of debt. God, we are so grateful that we can be here because we know this is by your invitation. And we know that in some inexplicable way, you're here with power. We're in your presence. To be in your presence... And in your grace is just an extraordinary thing. We want to give you our thanks. And today we pray that for the rest of this time, the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Don't forget, guys, in the back of the room over there is our prayer room. We've moved it to the back. One of our elders is going to be in there during the service praying for all of you guys here. And if at any point during the service you feel like you need to talk to somebody, pray with somebody, just slip into the back, slip into that room, and they'll be glad to pray with you. Okay, let's start out with a show of hands. You ready? How many of you guys have ever, ever, ever done stupid stuff with your money? Put your hands up. Keep them up. Keep them up. 
All right? Now look around you. If anybody doesn't have their hand up, remind them that we did a series on lying a couple of months ago. It's kind of who we are and what we do, right? Stupid stuff with our money. How about your daily salted caramel mocha frappuccino? Venti, of course. Ever buy a bunch of extra lives on Candy Crush or Angry Birds or whatever? (laughs) How many of you guys might be paying for a gym membership today and you haven't been there since January? Maybe you're into lottery tickets. Maybe even occasional trip to Belterra. How about timeshares? Extended warranties. Maybe at your house it's not just Netflix. You've also got Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, HBO Now, and cable. Right? Maybe you already have in your closet 40 or 50 pairs of shoes and you're still on the hunt. Maybe you've got clothes in your closet that still have their tags on them. Ever done stupid stuff with your money? Now you think I'm being mean, huh? <laughs> Have you ever wondered how comfortable you'd be right now if you had spent about half what you have spent on golf or fishing or video games or clothes or booze or eating out or whatever? Have you ever had so much credit card debt that you could barely keep up with just the minimum payments? Ever done that? Have you ever been suckered into an investment that just couldn't miss? And it did. Now, my preaching partner, Randy, was here last week, and for making him preach to you, I apologize to you guys, right? He's mean, and he's not nearly as good-looking as I am. That's humor. He kicked off this little series on how to be rich God's way, and we called it How to Be Rich God's Way because, by and large, with very, very few exceptions, if you're an American sitting in this room, by world standards, you are rich. Do you buy that? And the fact is, this is a spiritual thing, how we handle our money as rich people is a prime interest to our God. It's his money that he's lent to us. How do we handle our money in a God-honoring way? And last week, Randy kicked it off by identifying the single most important principle for a Jesus follower. Learn how to be content. Learn how to be content. It's basic. And it has to be learned, and it is learnable, how to be content. It's about loving what we have instead of just loving the things that we don't have yet. And if we work on just that piece, it's going to make your life easier and a whole lot more peaceable. Next week's going to be about our money and our future. How do we prepare for our future in a God-honoring way? In two weeks, it's going to be generosity. Generosity is huge for us Jesus followers. The fact is, we are blessed by God. And when God blesses us, He expects us to be generous with what He has blessed us with. And it makes life a whole lot richer. Today is about our money and our past. It's about our debt. Because the deal is, decisions that we made in the past profoundly shape the choices we can make today, right? Decisions you made in the past profoundly shape the choices you can make today. If you've made a lot of poor decisions in the past, it really limits what you can do today, right? So what do we do about it now? What do we do about it now? 
And I suspect that some of you guys are going to feel like I'm preaching right at you this morning, like I'm picking on you. I'm not. Truth is, I've told you this before, I preach to myself and I let you listen in, right? Fact is, this stuff just hits most of us. And I know that some of you guys are not Jesus followers yet. And if you're not a Jesus follower yet, some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about this morning is going to probably sound a little bit weird to you, okay? Truth is, if you're not a Jesus follower, you don't need to follow these principles of handling your money in a God-honoring way, although I suspect they'll work for you too. But if you're a Jesus follower, you need to learn, lean in because the Bible talks a lot about how we manage our money. It's a spiritual thing. How we manage our money is one of the most visible ways we either honor God or dishonor God every single day. And it's not just about the money that we put into an offering box. It's all His. How do we manage His money? So here goes, our money and our past. And I want to start this out by identifying some of the factors that have driven our decisions on how we have used our money in the past. Four big ones. Here's one, desire. We desire stuff. We want stuff. We like stuff. We love stuff. I'm going to name a group for you that probably most of you have never heard of because they were around before you were born. That's humor. 1989, a British rock band by the name of Queen. Ever heard of Queen? Some of their music's still around. Movie on it just now, Bohemian Rhapsody. We're the champions. We're going to rock you. Another one bites the dust. How about this one? I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. Remember that song? I want it all and I want it now because that's us. That's why it resonated. And there are marketing gurus out there who are there to make it sure that you realize it is possible. You can have it all now with no money down and six months with no interest, right? How cool is that? And their goal is to keep you from asking how much. Their goal is to get you to ask how much now and how little will the payments be because we have an intense desire for stuff. And their job is to help us sate that desire right now. Second thing that drives us, a sense of entitlement. That's not just for our kids. We're driven by a sense of entitlement. Drives how we manage our money. We think we deserve what everybody else has, right? And I just work as hard as he does. Maybe I work harder than he does. If he has one, I deserve it too. And it is a big one for our kids, I mean, too often our kids don't want to start at the bottom. They want to start where they left off when they left home, right? They deserve a house like mom and dad's house, a car like mom and dad's car, a vacation like they took with mom and dad. They probably are experiencing what it took mom and dad a lifetime to build, but Junior believes that that's the entry point to adulthood. Culture says you're right. You deserve it. You deserve it now, and you can have it now at a price. Desire, entitlement, how about this one? Bigger, better, newer, bigger, better, newer, right? How many of you guys in this room have ever traded an iPhone 8 for an iPhone 6? Nah, you want the 10, right? Bigger, better, newer. How many of you guys have ever calculated exactly how much car payment that you can afford in your budget, right? Then you've gone car shopping, 
and you discover that just for a few bucks more, you can have bigger, better, newer, faster, techier, right? Ever done that before? I read a review on what some call the best television on the market today, an LG C8 OLED. Second paragraph of the review, it reads this. Sure, the less expensive LG B8 is a highly compelling choice. Who doesn't like to save money? But for a small premium, the C8 offers an irresistible blend of the best picture quality we've tested to date, sleek design, superior processing, choice in screen size, and availability. It goes on to say this. This is the best part. If you find yourself the soon-to-be-proud owner of a brand-new LG C8 TV, call a friend or five before unboxing it, right? Because you've got to show it off. In fact, I checked. If you check Amazon right now, you can get the LG C9 with a 77-inch screen for only $6,000, right? And what's really cool is it's free shipping, okay? <laughs> Two days. Desires, entitlement, bigger, better, newer. Here's the last one. How we've been taught. How we've been taught. We have been taught, usually by our parents, sometimes by other people that we watch. Randy, my preaching partner who preached last week as a son-in-law who told Randy's daughter right before they got married, debt is the way life is. Debt's the way life is. It's what he believed because that's what he knew because that's how he was raised. I'm afraid that is also one of my gifts to my children because as parents, we often pass on our sins to our kids, don't we? Craig Rochelle identifies three kinds of people. He calls them the haves, the haves-nots, and I haven't paid for what I've got yet. He calls them pretenders, and he actually talks about what he calls a duck syndrome. You've probably never heard of that, but a lot of you are in it. You've got the duck syndrome. It looks like you're just gliding along, but beneath the surface, you're paddling like mad, right? And too often, that's what we teach our kids. That's how we live, and they watch us, and they think that's the way it's supposed to be. Desires, what we want. We want stuff, entitlement, what we think we deserve, bigger, better, newer. We can't fall behind how we're taught, what we learn from those we watch. And it's pretty tricky, isn't it? Because if you add it all together, what's it make? Puts you in debt. Those are the factors of money management that lead us directly into debt, sometimes boatloads of it. Have you ever been there, done that? I have. For a whole lot of us, the choices we made in the past severely restrict the choices that we can make in the present. Because, let me tell you something you already know, but you might not know that it comes from a guy named Solomon, who was once considered the wisest man in the world. Solomon said, the borrower was the servant. If you want to translate it, the borrower was the slave. You're a slave of the lender. The one who's in debt, the one who owes the debt is the slave to the person that he owes. And we are. That's not an exaggeration. You probably read about a guy named Patrick Henry who said one time, give me liberty or give me death. Remember that? One guy modernized it. He brought up it into our day. He says, give me... For, oh, I'm sorry. He says, forget liberty. Forget liberty. Give me debt. Right? Because when you're in debt, liberty 
goes out the window. It's not an exaggeration. Think about things like this. I'd love to start a family, but we just bought a new car and I can't afford a kid right now. The bank owns my decisions right now. I'd love to give more. I'd love to be generous, but I can barely pay the interest on my credit cards because I'm a slave to them right now. Hate my job. Hate going to work every day, but I got bills to pay and I can't afford to pass up on overtime. Stuck right now. How about this one? Maybe your kids are growing up, got their own homes. Kid just got smacked with a medical bill, and I'd love to help them out, but between the house payment and the second mortgage, I don't have any margin. I can't help my kids. Ever been there, done that? Because that's what we do. We live up right to the edge of our margin, and oftentimes we go just a little bit past it. As much house as I can afford, as much car as I can afford, as many toys as I can afford and we want a little bit more, just charge it, and there's no margin for emergencies, for generosity, or for God. And that's God dishonoring. That's not how we Jesus followers are supposed to live. I'm going to share four stats. These won't surprise you, and you might quibble with the numbers a little bit. It's hard to nail these numbers down, but this seems to be close. According to the Federal Reserve, the average American household has $137,000 of debt. Median household income is $59,000, which means that the average American family owes about two and a half times their annual income in debt. Some of you guys are looking at that number and saying, I wish my debt was so small. For those who carry credit card balances, which means they don't pay it off at the end of each month, the average credit card balance for those who carry them is $14,500. Some stats that I saw actually placed the number higher. And did you know that if you actually just make the minimum payments on $14,500, you just pay the minimum payment, and let's say your credit card percentage rate is pretty average, 18% interest, it would take you about 40 years to pay off that fourteen five, and it would cost you over $100,000 to pay off that fourteen five. It's another stat. Average 21-year-old has $12,000 of debt. By the time they are 28, they owe $78,000 in debt. And usually during that time, at least a lot of them get married, and so they double that. And it's no wonder that so many, so many of our young families have such a hard time getting started. One more. According to the Wall Street Journal, 70%, 7 out of 10, almost three-quarters of us, live paycheck to paycheck. Miss one paycheck, and you're facing disaster. If you guys are average, that's about where three-quarters of you are. You lose your job, get laid off, get fired, get sick. Maybe you're on commission, you have a bad month, you struggle next month to make the house payment, Right? That's normal. Normal is debt. Normal is as much car payment as you can afford, as much house payment as you can afford. Normal is student loan payments, credit card payments. Normal is fighting over finances. Normal is worry, anxiety, acid reflux, headaches. God wants different for us. 
our God wants better for us. Now, I know that stuff's bleak. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Isn't this cool stuff? Well, it's just great. And some of you are wondering, okay, it's easy to find the problem. Where's the fix? You know, a diagnosis without a fix is just mean. The problem is choices we made in the past severely impact the choices we can make in the present. So what do we do about it now? What do we do now? Can it be fixed? Probably. Is it going to hurt? Undoubtedly. Is it going to be worth it? Absolutely. I mentioned Craig Rochelle a couple minutes ago. He's a great pastor, teacher out in Oklahoma. He's the one who, there's church, gave us that version Bible that I love so much on our phones. He identifies three values that are going to be absolutely necessary if you're going to dig yourself out of the hole that so many of you guys are in. Here's the first one. <laughs> it's a, easy to say, hard to do. Self-control. Self-control. Brutally hard. Again, Solomon, why is this guy in the world put it like this? He says, like a city whose walls are broken down, which means that it's defenseless in the ancient world. Like a defenseless city is a man who lacks self-control. You see, and there'll be some pushback on this one, right? Our problem is not that we have too little money. Now, there may be exceptions, and there may be exceptions sitting in this room. I know that. You're probably not the exception. Our problem is not having too little money. Our problem is that we have too little contentment and too little self-control. You buy that? Money's neutral. You're the one who convinces yourself that it's not enough. You're the one who convinces yourself that you have to have stuff that you can't afford. That's why we hammered last week on the foundational principle, learning to be content, which is foundational for a Jesus follower. See, we tell ourselves these lies and we buy into them. We tell our stuff like, stuff like this, if I had more money, I wouldn't have to work so hard. Nah. Truth is, people who have more money work harder and get deeper in debt. We think stuff like this, if I had more money, I'd be more generous. No, you wouldn't. Stats tell us that people who have more money are less generous, I mean, percentage-wise. It'll just blow your mind. We tell ourselves things like this, if I had more money, I wouldn't be in debt. Statistics tell us that those people who have more money have more debt. They go deeper in. Because, listen, money's a magnifier. Money's a magnifying glass. It makes you more of what you already are. In itself, money is neutral. But it magnifies you. If you're a workaholic, it's going to make you more workaholic. If you're stingy, it's going to make you more stingy. If you lack self-control, it's going to magnify it. Our real problem is not the lack of money. It's the lack of contentment and a lack of self-control. By the way, did you know that self-control is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to the Apostle Paul? One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which means it's hard to do that on your own, but with God's help... He can help you get there. Value one, self-control. Value two, this one's hard too. Sacrifice. Isn't that a terrible word, sacrifice? Here's what it means. It means learning to give up something you love. But here's the key for something that you love more. 
Learning to give up something you love for something that you love more. That's not so bad after you see the second half of that sentence, is it? Living just this out would transform so many lives in this room. Now, you can see it working itself out practically in a number of ways. It may mean driving that car a little longer so you can pay a little more cash on the next car. It may mean eating out a little bit less, buying fewer shoes, playing a little less golf so you can be a little more God-honoring generous. It may mean spending a little less on me time so you can spend a little more on family time or God time. Self-control, sacrifice. Here's the third. Got to have a plan. Planning, planning. You don't manage money God's way by accident. Truth is, you can get into debt by accident, but it's really hard to get out of debt by accident. Here's Solomon again. Solomon says this. He says, the plans, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as the haste or the lack of planning leads to poverty. You can get into debt without any plan at all. It's easy. You're not going to get out of debt without some planning. A whole lot easier to get into debt than to get out. Now, I wish I had more time to unpack this part, and I don't. This stuff is so important, and it is God-honoring. This isn't just a financial talk. This is about how to be a, a Jesus follower. This is a spiritual thing. This stuff is important. I'd love to be able to lay out practical do's and don'ts for you. I don't have the time. What I do have the time is to point you to some really, really powerfully good helps. You ready? Wednesday, 6.30, our growth classes start. One of the classes is going to be financial peace. It's led by Ricky Spaulding. Ricky is a serious Jesus follower. He's an accountant, and he's a really sharp and good guy, right? He's going to take you through some of the best stuff there is in getting out of debt in detail. You're going to get right down into the weeds. You'll start by taking a brutally honest look at where you are financially because a lot of you guys don't know. You'll start identifying and fixing some of your bad habits. You might have to (laughs) cut up some credit cards. I remember when Julie and I were younger, we got into a real spot because of our credit cards. We went to a financial counselor, and he says, pull out the scissors and cut them up. That was hard. Had to do it. You'll learn about the debt snowball. Really important principle where you start with your smallest debt, you pay it off, and you use the money you were paying on that to take your next smallest debt until you work yourself through these things. Guys, if you're financially strapped, if you feel those kind of anxieties, if you're stressed, this class is going to help you. Wednesday, 6.30, Financial Peace with Ricky Spaulding. If you can't take the class, find this book. And if you need to take a picture of the screen, it's going to be up there for just a moment. Dave Ramsey, The Total Money Makeover. Just follow some of the principles in this book, and you're going to find it making a huge difference in your finances. You'll start managing your money in a God-honoring way. You'll start finding some financial peace. And if you can't do either of those, still need some help, Come talk to one of us on the staff. Talk to me. Talk to John. Talk to one of the other staff members. Go find one of our elders. We will connect you with something that can get you some help, maybe with a person who can get you some help. We've done that before. Don't just think about what you could do. Don't just think about what you should do. If this stuff is talking to you, let's get it done. Let's get it done.
Now, one more thing this morning. Most of the debt that enslaves us in the present is due to the choices that we've made in the past. But sometimes debt is not our choice. Sometimes life just kicks you in the teeth. And medical debt is like that. So we're going to have the opportunity on Labor Day, December the, or September the 1st, to do something incredibly God-honoring and just flat-out incredible, incredibly generous. We talked about it last week. We are partnering with RIP Medical Debt, and we're going to have the opportunity to eliminate the medical debt of hundreds of people in Franklin County, Shelby County, Henry County, Woodford County, Scott County, Owen County, Anderson County, Bourbon County, Harrison County, and even parts of Fayette County. It's incredible. Every dollar we give will eliminate about $100 of medical debt. Every $100 we give will eliminate about $10,000 of medical debt, not for people that we choose, but people who qualify for RIP medical debt help. It's unbelievable. And I've asked John, who's our executive pastor, to come up here and kind of explain how this thing works. I like that line Doc just shared. I don't know if you called it or not. He said, I'm going to come up here and kind of explain how it works. I'm not exactly sure what kind of means, but no. Excuse me. You know, it's been amazing to watch how God has truly blessed this church family since we did that 90-day double-dog dare you challenge a few years back, if you were with us. Almost every month since that time, I have sent the elders a finance report that included these words. It's amazing how God continues to bless us. Almost every month, I include those words in the email I send with the reports. Even when our attendance was down due to weather or summertime, it never seemed to affect us financially. One of the key phrases that I remember from that challenge, and maybe you do as well, is where we said, God said, you show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. And to me, it has been evident ever since. Not just in our general offering, but also through our generous bucket gifts, as well as our plea for donations, to help us lower the impact to our contingency fund when it came time to purchase the property that's behind us. And by chance, if you haven't heard, we are now the proud owners of an additional two and third acres of land with a house that stands directly behind me this morning. And since God has been so faithful to us, we are always looking for ways that we can be a blessing to others. Sometimes those blessings are small by being able to provide help with a utility bill or, or with a rent payment or, or with medicine or, or school supplies. Sometimes they're large like when a natural disaster, a hurricane or a tornado affects a, a community here in our country and we're able to send them some significant funds to help with rebuilding. Or when we're given the opportunity to partner with a local school to provide books to kids to help advance their reading skills. And now we come to you with the opportunity to be a part of something really big by bringing help, by bringing relief to many within our county and surrounding counties who have been impacted by medical debt. You know, when I first heard about RIP medical debt, I must admit that I was a bit skeptical, maybe like some of you this morning. It almost sounded too good to be true. 
But as I did some digging and even talked with some of my executive pastor friends from around the country, I found that RIP was a reputable company. Over the past couple of months, I've had multiple points of contact with different members of the RIP team. The RIP team, which began in 2014, has already eliminated over $715 million of medical debt because of donors like you and me who gave to this nonprofit. The guys who started this company were in the business of debt collecting. They knew the system. They knew how it worked. But they wanted to do something different to be able to help people instead of continuing to take advantage of those who could no longer pay their medical debt. RIP can target and then bulk purchase debt portfolios that are most in need of relief. The majority of the time, they are purchasing the debt for a penny or pennies on the dollar. They use precise data analytics to pinpoint the portfolios of those households that are below twice the federal poverty level, that are insolvent, or that are going through hardship. And once RIP purchases those debts, through donations that they receive from individuals or, for, or specific campaigns, they forgive the debt. They don't go after the debt or the debtor. And after taking care of the debt, RIP then sends out notices to the benefiting families and then spends time helping those families repair their credit reports, renew their access to opportunities and resources that then allow those families to rebuild themselves. And our goal, as you heard Doc mention just a few moments ago, is to partner with them to bring relief to families in 10 different counties here in central Kentucky. Those 10 counties currently have over $1.6 million of medical debt in their portfolios that RIP has earmarked to purchase the week of September 2nd. For us to help pay that amount off, we need to raise about $21,000. So $21,000 is our goal for this RIP campaign. But what, what if we raise more? If we raise more, it gives us the opportunity to expand that area, to be a blessing to other people here in our commonwealth. That $1.6 million debt is from about a month ago when I provided, when I provided the company uh, zip codes that they could do the research on. Has it gone up since that time? I don't know. We're still two weeks away from our giving date, and the chance that that need will increase is probably pretty good. Now, we're not allowed to know the names of those individuals that will, that will be receiving this blessing, but RIP will be letting them know that their debt has been taken care of by Capital City Christian Church. Will those folk ever take a step into our building? I don't know. But what I do know is that those words from that campaign a few years ago continue to echo in my head. You show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. You want to change somebody's world? You want to have the opportunity to impact someone's eternity? It starts by letting people, people who have been kicked while they are down, people who have been taken advantage of, people who think the world is coming down on them. It starts by letting them see that people do care, that people do want to help, and that people are willing to give without asking for anything in return. And what excitement there will be when we hear Jesus say, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. So two weeks from today, we're going to give every dollar, every quarter, every dime, every nickel, every penny, every check, every donation.
that comes into Capital City through our offering boxes, through our generous buckets, through our online giving to bless those who have been impacted by medical debt here in our communities. This morning, I'm going to ask you, there on the chair backs in front of you are some white envelopes that say RIP Medical Debt across the top of it. I'm going to ask that you take one of those envelopes, and over the next two weeks, you begin praying about what God is going to lead you to do on Sunday, September 1st. And I think you can trust me in this. If you will show him your faith, there's no doubt in my mind that he will definitely show you his faithfulness. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for these few moments to be able to share together today. Father, we stop and we pause and we, we're just overwhelmed by the many blessings that you have poured out upon us. The greatest of which was your son Jesus, who you willingly, <coughs> who you willingly gave so that we could have the hope of eternal life. Father, you took our debt and you wiped it away. You forgave us when we didn't deserve to be forgiven. You loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. You showed us what mercy and grace were all about. And Father, I pray that over these next two weeks, as we, as we move towards this day when we're going to give back, that, Father, we'll give, not because we feel like we have to, but, God, because we want to, because we want to be a blessing to others as we have been blessed. And, Father, then we're just going to ask that you take those gifts, that you multiply them and you use them to be a blessing to someone, maybe here in Franklin County, Anderson, Shelby, Woodford, Henry, Owen, Bourbon, Harrison, Scott, Fayette, that, Father, just through that gift, Father, it will cause them to see that people do care, that they're not alone. And, Father, it may be the door that gets opened to lead them to an eternal relationship with you. And what greater thing could that be than for that to take place? Father, may we honor you with our lives that we live from this day forward. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.